Welcome to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you on this fine Monday morning. And happy to be joined in studio by John Girardi. Good morning. CEO slash executive director of Right to Life Central California. Or I guess I should say executive director of Right to Life California, Central California, and CEO of Obria Medical group um, coming up soon to be soon to be soon to CEO be. once once the once the paperwork gets through and we actually have a open medical clinics so yes soon so, to be CEO so i um uh it's like i remember there was a local political candidate for office who she uh she started a rinky dink nonprofit organization and named herself the CEO of it just so that when she ran for office she could say on her description on the ballot so and so comma CEO so yes <laughs> that is a not, I guess, terribly uncommon thing to do. You know, hey, I'm the president and founder of my own company. Oh, really? Well, tell me more. Well, we just started six months ago. But uh, okay, well, good for you. I'm glad you can be the president and the founder. But uh, if you are trying to watch us on Facebook Live, you're listening in your car and you said, oh, that's right, Jonathan and John are on. I've got to pull over immediately so that I can quickly uh make sure that I can watch them. Yes. Well, well, <laughs> I, you're not watching us yet, and that explains why there was a momentary hesitation when I first started this morning because I, I realized, oh, wait, where am I supposed to be looking for the camera? And I said, oh, wait, that's right. We're, we're not, using the same, not using the same camera system. Um, but we are working on that. Um, it's okay. We'll get there. It will we'll be up there. and running soon. It's all right. Uh, but in it's meantime, okay. It's still free. It's still free, right? You're going to get the best part of me in the morning, which is me battling a cold, which has been off and on going for about four weeks because I had it and then my wife sort of had it and then our son had it and he still is hacking and uh, yeah, it's, it's anyway, it's been a, it's been an interesting time. So right before when we were doing our mic test, I did test and yeah, yeah, I, I about was, died. So. Yeah. So just word to the wise, if you're ever in a radio studio, don't touch the microphone. Never touch the microphones. They wear disgusting. Wear a mask. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So, yeah. um, But we will be back um, on Facebook Live probably even before the end of this segment. So never fear. You can see our, our faces. Faces only a mother or wife could love. So There you go. Uh, but, John, we have a bunch of things that we can talk about today. Um, yes, indeed. One of which is something that came out last week, but it— it's always funny when things come out um, after my show because even though they are not necessarily new, they are still news to this audience. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that if people did not hear about them uh, through other means, if they didn't hear about it through uh, Facebook, or if they didn't hear about it through other channels, um, they are able to hear about the this interesting, innovative idea for California to talk about a way that they may have to be more transparent in the fact that every California uh, insurance uh, subscriber is paying for surgical and chemical abortion Mm -hmm. in the state of California. Now, some of you might say, well, wait a minute. That's not me. I I, I don't go and pay for a special abortion-specific plan. I I don't want to go pay for it. Well, in California, the great Department of Managed Healthcare in Sacramento says, screw you. We don't care what you want. You're going to pay for abortion no matter what. Yes. So back in 2016, I believe in August of 2016, the California Department of Managed Healthcare, which is 
not the California legislature. Okay, the California Department of Managed Healthcare is simply a regulatory agency within the California state government whose officials are appointed ultimately by the governor. And the California Department of Managed Healthcare was issuing some new regulations, some new rulemaking regarding basically how to interpret certain provisions of California law. California law requires that all health insurance plans in California cover necessary health care, cover basic necessary health care. And so they issued a regulation redefining what basic health care means. They redefined essential services, essential basic health care, to include elective surgical abortion. Okay, So overnight, by saying every single health insurance plan in the state has to cover necessary Healthcare, elective surgical abortion is necessary healthcare. Therefore, every single health insurance plan in the state has to, has to, has to cover elective surgical abortion. Ta da! So that was mandated by the California Department of Managed Healthcare in 2016. And basically, John, what this means is without, as you said, without having to pass a new law, without having to go through the public notice and comment period that the, you know, federal, um, the, the FDA or the know, CDC. Yeah. It, uh, they are essentially able to take this vote behind closed doors. I don't even know if we really know, uh, the, the, the formal vote tally or the names of the commissioners. All we know is that this decision was issued. And as a result, overnight, every plan in the state of California essentially had to begin shaping up and start covering elective surgical abortion. And, and the reason, John, that I, I always make the point, obviously, yes, you and I agree, and I think most of our listeners agree, that abortion is bad, uh, abortion is immoral, and abortion is not really okay uh, whenever it happens. But there is, I think, at least among the public, if you look at polls, in the first trimester, uh, there is at least a somewhat I'm trying there's to think more, of the there's more support for legalized yes. abortion in the third tri- in well, the first trimester. I and I even have it to to say support. I'd say there's greater ambivalence. There is there is a right. there's kind of a moral eh, I don't really like it but eh. okay it's fine if it's and, legal. And, and people are at least squeamish about it but they 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 don't want to necessarily go so far as regulating it in the first trimester or the morning after pill or things like that. And again, John and I, this is not an endorsement of that by any means. This is just an acknowledgement of the current legal, political, social, cultural reality. Right. However, in some of the polls that have come out recently, it has been shocking to see the overwhelming level of opposition uh, for abortion in the second and third trimester, John. And... I mean, in a good way. I mean, I'm I'm encouraged to see that. Uh, and yet, that very type of procedure is not just legalized in the state of California, like they've had it in, we've heard in recent weeks in New York, York. and uh, Virginia, and Illinois is even trying to pass a more expansive law. But in the state of California, those procedures are not only legal, those are required to be covered by health insurance. Right. And that health insurance is required to be purchased by every single Californian. Right. Uh, due to the Obamacare insurance mandate. And that's and for those of you wondering, well, wait a minute, like the laws in New York, are we have that in California already? In California, abortion is legal for all non-viable 
unborn children, all children who are before the point of viability. When you get to viability, abortion is legal if there, if the mother's health is implicated. Now, the state of California, though, takes its definition of health from the definition given in Doe versus Bolton, which was the sister case of Roe v. Wade issued in 1973. Health is defined in Doe versus Bolton in this incredibly capacious, broad fashion. It can include things like mental health, emotional health, psychological health, financial health, familial health. So literally every single unwanted pregnancy implicates a woman's health almost by definition. So yes, in California, through all nine months of pregnancy, abortion is legal, whether it's for a health exception, an exception that really swallows the rule, or because it's a pre-viability fetus. And so that is essentially, it's, this is a thing, John, a lot of times when people think of California, and, and I think this is part of the reason why we have not necessarily seen the same level of instant outrage, because in New York, you can literally see, I mean, it's on video uh, that was not posted by some clandestine pro-life group. It's on the Planned Parenthood of New York right. Twitter page. Right. The video of, yay, congratulations, yay. we just legalized abortion. Let's do a big, huge standing Round ovation. Let's yeah. literally light up the Empire State Building to celebrate it. Yes. I mean, th that is incredibly egregious and incredibly, like, blatant in your face. Um, so that is um, – that's something that you can point to as a pro-life advocate and say, all right, you know, this is a uh, – this is a huge – glaring, you know, red flashing warning light that danger, danger, we are, we are not just approaching infanticide, but we are, you know, on a uh, freight train and they are trying to increase speed. Um, but in California, it has been, well, you know, there's this, there's this court case from here and well, there's this law that was passed in, you know, 2010 and then, well, there's this decision for the Department of Advantaged Healthcare and, and as a result, it's this really kind of patchwork of laws and regulations, which mm -hmm. is much harder, frankly, and, to, to and, point out. And California Supreme Court decisions. Let's yes. not forget about that. Yes. And, and that's, we, that's, could, we could talk about that. I, I've actually been some reading about some of the history about why does Medi-Cal fund abortion? Mm. And uh, it's a very interesting history. Basically, oh. the California Supreme Court mandated that Medi-Cal cover abortion. Uh, over the objection of our state legislature. That's a fun little history we could get into later in the show. Well, we might get into that in the second uh, segment here because there's there's a couple of things that I think are, are good. It's it's Yes, it's true. I mean, abortion is somewhat of an evergreen topic in the state of California, and it's something where we can almost we can almost never stop talking about it because there's so much, uh, so many different aspects of it. But there are a couple of new things on this, and, and John, I think it's interesting how much pushback with this, how with it, as liberal and as aggressive in promoting abortion as California's laws are, it's amazing how a single tiny little change from the Trump administration has been uh, pushed. As it's been rolled out, it has really rankled the uh, hard pro-abortion supporters. We should probably describe that in the next segment. Yeah, I think it's probably good to do that. And, th and this is something where, again, you know, we are not— uh, we are not Trump central here. We don't cheer on every single thing that the president does every time. But in this case, this is a phenomenal, uh, smart move from him. And we're going to talk about that when we come back on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty.
Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Slightly gravelly voiced, still battling a cold, but happy to be with you. And happy to be with you now on Facebook. We are on Facebook Live after a couple of little hiccups at the start of the show. So if you are listening on the radio, or if you are listening on the podcast, that entire first segment is exclusive to you. Hey, there you go. Pretend uh, it's about exclusivity rather than about, you know, not getting the no, camera set up yet. That, that's what it is. We we do these special segments only for those people that are listening to the podcast. There you go. Um, I will say that is something, John, that it, I, I, it's always tricky to how do you get people to subscribe. And one thing that um, I've noticed is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, ben Shapiro, who has a lot of friends here on the Salem radio network, uh, he has a weekly show that is a Sunday special that he does where – uh, he interviews some big newsmaker, um, and it always varies. Sometimes it's a congressman, sometimes it's a uh, cultural leader or a pastor or a priest or a book writer or something. I mean, he's interviewed some very interesting people. And then he always says, and I have one final question for you, and we're going to—and he, like, teases the question. He goes, but to listen to that, you have to subscribe uh, because I guess he posts that in the special video feed that is only for Ben Shapiro show subscribers for their, their, their daily wire thing. So you can't see it on Facebook live. You don't hear it on the podcast and it's always very intriguing. And I am a subscriber and I never actually go and even listen to it. There you go. <laughs> well, good. That's the problem is that I, I love all these gimmicky ways of like, Ooh, Ooh, yeah. Say the exclusive subscriber content, but come on guys, nobody has time. Just put it out there. Well, way, way to advertise for that first segment yeah, that, now, I, I, that, that I know. now is in the podcast. I know. That's, anyway. I will say, though, if you you should go listen to the podcast because the first segment really will inform much of what we're talking about in the second segment, which yes. is California abortion law and regulations. Um, <clears throat> so. so why don't we talk about what the Trump administration actually did regarding abortion coverage in California? Basically, uh, they issued a new regulation to separate out – the cost of abortion to let people know, hey, your health insurance is paying for abortion. Here's this separate bill for a single dollar that is paying for abortion services in every single health plan in California. Yes. And the uh, the interesting thing is this this got a lot of notice. It started to uh, started to get uh, pushback last week. Um, and on the website Cal Matters, they said um, the $1 abortion bill. Let me see if I can find the, uh, yeah, the $1 abortion bill from Cali uh, covered California. It says another front in the abortion wars may be opening in California. The Trump administration wants insurers on California's health exchange to start sending their customers a second premium bill for $1 every month, the amount the state requires to cover unrestricted abortion benefits. So John, here's the thing that's a little ridiculous. If I can just point out the, the, this, the amount of the bill itself is something that's just so insane and frustrating. In to do this ridiculous kind of um, hoop jump through, the state of California cannot officially cover abortion using federal taxpayer dollars. Right. So when um, oh, what was his name? The um, Bart Stupak, mm -hmm. the pro-life Democrat from Michigan. He and the Blue Dog Democrats, the the coalition of old school pro-life. Democrats in 2009-2010 uh, were saying, we don't want to sign on to Obamacare because we believe it's going to fund and expand abortion. Right. Which it did. Which it did. 
But they said, well, no, you know what? President Obama said, look, I understand you guys have these antiquated ideas that, you know, your constituents don't want to pay for abortion. So we'll come up with this shell game where we'll have two bills. We'll have a bill that'll go out to people. This is actually part of the compromise that was originally Mm -hmm. discussed, which was we will have one bill that will cover abortion services and people pay that separately. So if they want abortion services, they have to pay for those abortion services uh, separately. And if they don't want abortion services, you know, here's their one plan. Plan A covers abortion. Plan B um, does not cover uh, abortion. Mm -hmm. And you can pick which one you want and everything. As we said in the first segment, which you should go listen to, uh, the first segment did not allow uh, any plan to be sold that did not cover abortion. So already there's this ruse of having the two plans is is gone. But the other thing, John, was that they said, well, okay, if if we have a, sing, a single plan, we'll, it'll be kind of covered the same way, but we'll send two bills. We'll have here's one bill and here's the other bill. Mm-hmm. So right now, essentially, they're saying, well, we have a bill in the state of California where, you know, you are paying for your normal plan, but then the second plan is that covers only your abortion services. And it is, you know, uh, one dollar. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to before we talk. So even all the Trump administration, all the Trump administration is doing basically is letting people know, hey, this is part of what you're paying for with your insurance plan. Yes, and, and this is the thing that I want to back up and say that is just completely obscenely ridiculous. That is just so stupid. Uh, the fact that they are requiring all organizations, all people in the state of California to pay this plan is bad enough. But the second thing, John, I, I understand how insurance works. I, I realize that, uh, of course, the whole idea of insurance is that you pay a lower premium, ideally, and not everybody pays the full amount because, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to, you know, you're not going to be covering uh, abortion access um, or, 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 well, think of it as in, in terms of car insurance. Yes. Ideally, hopefully, you are paying more than the benefit you were getting out of it unless there's an emergency. You know, I, I am not getting in car accidents uh, to the point of, you know, $350 every month. Right, exactly. Um, and But on the rare occasions where I have been in a car accident where, you know, my wife and I have been in one or when I've been in one and been hit, ideally, you know, you do use more than the benefit. But if you added up everything that I think either of us have paid in car insurance over the last several years, we probably are paying more into the system than we're getting out of it. You 100% are. 100%. I mean, it's very rare that it's, it's going to be the case. But the, the crazy thing here, John, is does anyone actually think $1 covers all of, the, all of the abortion access that the state of California spends every year? No, of course not. Uh, it is such to me, it's such a shell game to think that, oh, no, we're going to say that all of the cost of abortion for all of the patients in the state of California is covered by this $1. So, it, I mean, it just, the, the fact that it even is a mandatory $1, it just goes to show that it is completely, um, it's a complete shell game. It's a complete lie that is trying to say this is how much uh, you're actually spending on abortion coverage. But th- they, they have to do a low minimum threshold so that they comply technically with the mandates of Obamacare. And yet at the same time, even that $1 that they are saying, well, okay, fine. If, if you guys are going to make a mockery of this, we're going to require you to actually send that extra $1 premium to people. Right. Um, this is r- causing incredible consternation at Covered California, which is the state insurance exchange. Right, because they're afraid people won't pay it. Yes, 
And, and it says about no, one about 1.5 million Californians are insured through Covered California, which is pushing back. State officials fear the tiny second bill will confuse policyholders to risk their coverage by failing to pay it. Insurers warned that the extra cost and labor could drive up the premiums. Oh no, says uh, Covered California. We're we're very worried that if you do this, if you force us to comply with the law, which we're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. that it might increase premiums. Well, I'm sorry. If you have been cheating this entire time, right. pardon me for not crying too many tears if you have gotten a free ride from California taxpayers and from the federal government and all of a sudden now you are you have not budgeted properly for your failure to do the right thing and now you're going to be forced to take care of and do the right thing. Yeah, there's this total sense of it's kind of majoritarianism run amok. The, this idea that well, we are the party in power, and we therefore have the right to adopt whatever policies we want, which, I mean, you know, for the most part in this country, that's the case, and the majority rules, but there are a lot of counter-majoritarian values embedded into American republicanism, uh, namely everything that's in the Constitution. The, and the, the, and the American idea, small R republicanism. Small R republicanism, yeah. Not, not the Republican Party, but yeah. our system of our, government. Our system of a constitutional republic. There are lots of things that are counter-majoritarian. Everything in the Constitution has a kind of counter-majorian edge to it. You can't eliminate the right to freedom of speech, for example, just by having a majority. Uh, to amend the Constitution requires a huge, huge, overwhelming consensus of essentially everybody in the United States. Seventy-five percent, not even just yeah. a supermajority. Yeah, but so the idea that, but the attitude, though. Whoa, hey, sorry, way to go with radio. <laughs> uh, the attitude that the majority, the controlling party, has in California is basically, well, we are in control, therefore we can force people to do what we want them to do. And this even extends to something as morally repugnant to a huge number of Californians as abortion. This idea that just because we have the majority in the state, we're going to force everybody against their honest, conscientious objections to pay for abortion. It's a really – it's a very totalitarian mindset, this this idea that we don't care that you – we don't care, taxpayer, person who pays for insurance – that you morally oppose this. We don't care that you view this as murder. We are still going to force you to pay for it uh, through your insurance premiums. Yes, and John, I, I think that's a good example, is that, yes, it is true, you guys won elections. Yes, it is true that President Obama won uh, in 2008 and 2012, but that still doesn't mean you get to trample over the First Amendment for everybody in the country. Doesn't work that way, folks. We'll be back. After this break, with a little bit more on this topic on Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. We are continuing this fascinating bit of a deep dive and expose on California's crazy new abortion regime and the laws that have enabled it. We're talking about the the health premium issue and the fact that the Trump administration and the Center for Medicaid and Medicare services, Medicare and Medicaid services, 
uh, has basically said we're going to require a new $1 premium surcharge in order to continue offering abortion care, which California mandates. So, John, I, I wanted to give one quick number here, and then I want you, as you said, to give a little bit of a history on this. But the thing that's hilarious to me, hilarious in a, a darkly ironic way, is that um, the Blue Shield of California is arguing, well, you know, this is just going to be too hard. This is Gary Cohen, who's the vice president of governmental affairs at Blue Shield of California. People are not going to understand why this is happening, saying that insurers would be affected by the proposed change. Quote, it's singling out this one procedure, abortion services, for reasons that have nothing to do with health care for women. Yes. yes. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> That's the point. Yes. And that is what was agreed to. If you wanted to have abortion fully covered and paid for and not have to do this, then talk to Bart Stupak and the Democrats that made this compromise back in 2009 and 2010, the only reason that Obamacare even became law to begin with. But right. here's the thing that is amazing to me, John, and this is something where— it just frustrates me when you hear um, <clears throat> without context. You hear news being re reported without context. It says uh, Blue Shield has 435,000 members in Obamacare plans. For Blue Shield, the cost could be four to $6 million to implement and about $900,000 monthly. Oh, no. Man, I, I hate to cost money to Blue Shield. That is a lot of money, John. I mean, gosh, $900,000 monthly. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, um, oh, wait a minute. Um, hold on. It didn't. Didn't they say that it's it's 435,000 members in Obamacare plans? Ah, ah. So we're talking about approximately $2 monthly. $2. Oh, no. <laughs> I've talked to people that we used to be on Blue Shield or that are currently on Blue Shield. Um, their plans on a monthly basis are, oh, $1,300, $1,500, $2,500. $2, and you're literally talking about a $2 monthly change, the, the the cost of basically paper and a stamp. And by the way, next out. year, they're probably going to increase your rates, uh, your, increase your premiums. What are they going to do? A hundred, an, an extra $100, $150? Bucks? I mean, yes. every, every year it goes up. So yes. what are we what are we talking about here? So this, so, and, and again, just, it says the cost could be four to six million. So John, I just went to Wikipedia and I said, I'm just curious for Blue Shield of California, what is their, um what is their revenue uh, on an annual basis. Well, this says it's going to cost four to six million dollars additional. Their revenue on an annual basis is seventeen point six eight billion dollars. Yeah, feel like uh, feel like they could just you know eat that four to six million if they wanted, it's, or you know, it's kind of yes, basically a uh, it's basically a write off more or less. And yeah. and the other thing, just a quick note, also on this, John, and I want you to get to this. We'll spend the rest of the segment and next seg segment talking about this, they say, well, this is the nonprofit insurer. Well, when you no, call somebody a nonprofit insurer, it's like, oh, well, that, that uh, means little that, old struggling blue right. shield of California. You know, they're just, they're just like you or me, John, they're yeah, just a nonprofit a non -profit organization, um, except it says founded as a not-for-profit again on Wikipedia, <laughs> something that was conveniently omitted from this article on uh, ABC news founded as a nonprofit blue shield of California was stripped of its tax exempt status by the California franchise tax board in 2014. Ah, just, they don't seem to be hurting as a result of that. No, yeah. you know, just they say, seem to be fine. Yeah. So anyway, John. Okay. So how did we get to this point where it is so aggressive that even th that private health insurance plans are now carrying the water of Planned Parenthood and big abortion? Well, I think it started with the standard of public health insurance and the, the chief form of public health insurance in the state being Medi-Cal, 
that Medi-Cal covers abortion. People ask about this, why does Medi-Cal cover abortion? When did this happen? I didn't actually know the whole history about it until very recently. I stumbled across this article from the ACLU of Northern California, written in, uh, in October of 2017. The California Fight for Abortion Access for All, hashtag ACLU Time Machine. So this is basically, it's a history of Medi-Cal and how Medi-Cal has covered abortion. And it has a picture of an old newspaper clipping from April of 1981. And it has a gif of the old Wonder Woman smashing a window with her fist. And the window has the word patriarchy written on it. So, you know, you're about to read something really serious. Anyway, so here's this story. The California Fight for Abortion Access for All. Hashtag ACLU Time Machine. The president is attempting to wrest birth control from millions of Americans, including those who are otherwise unable to afford it. We're talking about abortion, not not birth control here. The GOP-controlled House has passed a bill to criminalize blah, 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 blah. So this is a good time to rage, <laughs> says the ACLU. Oh, great. Always. Now, let me ask, is there ever really a good time to rage? I don't know. Well, if you're a progressive, there's never not, there's a, not, good a, time never not a good time to rage. Anyway, and to remember our history. Resistance works, and we do have the power to take action. Today, I'd like to celebrate a piece of California history that underscores why reproductive justice is about more than just rights. Reproductive justice is also about ensuring that people can actually access the reproductive health care they need. As if what we've been talking about for, for years on this show, that access is the new buzz, great buzzword of the pro-choice movement. Access, access, access. Okay. So, just, so it, it, they go in this article, they go into the history of how, okay, Roe v. Wade happened. Then the Hyde Amendment started being attached to the federal budget every year, and the Hyde Amendment prevented federal funds from paying for abortion. Um, back to the 1960s. Despite Congress's decision to pass the Hyde Amendment, California's Medi-Cal program, funded by state funds, still covered abortion. This was relatively uncontroversial at the time. Yeah, because people didn't realize it was covering abortion. Yep. By 19, in 1978, the California legislature, for this uncontroversial practice, voted to essentially defund abortion coverage statewide. So – like, right after the Hyde Amendment gets passed, the California legislature comes in and basically tries to enact a Hyde Amendment for California. They say, we don't want our state version of Medicaid to cover abortion. This budgetary decision, the article says, would have cut off abortion care access for over 95% of poor Californians and would have affected 100,000 teens and poor women each year. I'm sure it would have affected exactly 100,000 and that wasn't just an arbitrarily chosen big round number. So the ACLU and our allies got to work. ACLU of Northern California staff attorney Maggie Crosby filed a lawsuit on behalf of a number of plaintiffs, including a California reproductive rights organization known as ACCESS, community clinics serving Medi-Cal patients, welfare rights organizations, medical providers, and women's rights groups. The legal team had no way of knowing that their work would become a 12-year battle to maintain medical funding for poor women's abortions. Gosh, what a noble thing, fighting for poor women to abort their children. Because, John, if there's, if there's anything that exemplifies what makes America great, it's making sure that instead of providing resources and support, that it's making women sure. with uh, and the lower socioeconomic status can kill their children. Yes. Crosby argued that it was unconstitutional and discriminatory for the government to use state funds to coerce poor pregnant women into childbirth over abortion. Imagine how this is written. Wow. The, to co use state funds to, to coerce, coerce poor pregnant women into childbirth or abortion. No, they were simply saying we're not going to pay for this service. The California Supreme Court agreed because the California Supreme Court is full of nut jobs and has been forever. 
Long time. In 1980, and you say that as a member of the California Bar, too. I so. do. I do. I could get in <laughs> trouble. I won't get in trouble. In 1981, the court handed down a decision that read in part, once the state furnishes medical care to poor women in general, it cannot withdraw part of that care solely because a woman exercises her constitutional right to have an abortion. The fight should have ended there, but for nine years, the legislature rebelled against the Supreme Court ruling for this uncontroversial practice, as the ACLU called it, and attempted to cut abortion funding from the budget every summer. But every year for nine years, Crosby would work through the 4th of July weekend in order to challenge the illegal funding cuts in court. Every year she prevailed. The budget cuts never took place because of the orders issued in these cases. And Medi-Cal still covers abortion care in California to this day. You know, so basically they're celebrating, yes, we know our state legislature tried to cut to cut this, but we are celebrating judicial supremacy. You know, John, I as, as a person on food stamps, I'm just offended that the government is giving me money for food and then telling me I can't spend it on alcohol and cigarettes. I mean, I mean, once they've allowed you to do that, how can they keep you from doing it later? I don't understand. That's totally unfair. We'll be back to close out today's show with some more insight on life, family, liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I am your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you on this final segment of today's show, this week's show. Uh, John, we were just talking in the break a little bit about the... Uh, it, it goes bigger than just the abortion issue, um, but but it really goes to just show the craziness of the California and U.S. system. And when it comes to judicial supremacy. Yes. And, and this is something where I do have to say, uh, it, it's it's an ongoing topic, not just on this show, but on lots of shows. You talk to people from a conservative media perspective, pro-life perspective, and a lot of times people will say, well, gosh, you know, aren't you concerned that, you know, President Trump is degrading morals and he's, you know, hurting the conservative cause by this, that, and the other? Yes, First off, let me just say, yes, I, I am very concerned when you when you see some of the things that President Trump says, I don't think that he always uses the best language. I don't think he uses the best rhetoric. Um, I think that as a conservative, as a person who is a registered Republican, um, this obviously this this show is nonpartisan. Both of our organizations are nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. We do not endorse candidates one way or the other. But I will also say uh, in my personal capacity um, I don't have any problem with pushing back against politicians from either party who are doing things that we don't like. I don't have problems on the flip side with praising politicians from either party who are doing things that we do like. That's why I can say on the one hand, uh, when it comes to the Senate, you know, bravo, Joe Manchin, for standing up and uh, voting the right way on the infanticide ban that uh, Ben Sass was supporting, uh, that he authored. And boo on you, thumbs down to Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins for, um, I, I think they did not vote for it. Um, mm-hmm. Or I know at least they have been very— Lisa Murkowski voted not I think she voted, yeah, or president. president or yeah. something. Yeah. So I don't have any problem doing that and pushing back. But one thing that when you talk about one of the reasons why I think so many conservatives supported President Trump and why looking at the current crop of Democratic nominees— um, it is going to be, I think, almost impossible for pro-lifers to not vote for President Trump in 2020. Um, part of the reason is the judicial appointments. 
It's like 90% of the reason. <laughs> I mean, you, you look at the fact that essentially what, what you see over and over with both the uh, California Supreme Court and then with the Circuit Courts of Appeals is you see a Democratic president or a Democratic governor or a Democratic legislature push forward with certain types of rights. They push to expand abortion coverage. Uh-huh. Or they push forward to expand public participation in the abortion regime. You see this Department of Managed Health Care rule that is expanding abortion. Or you see, John, you mentioned during the break, the Obama administration's decisions on something like DACA, um, you know, uh, immigration policy, or uh-huh. on uh, transgender uh, service members in the, military. in the military. Yeah. Those things get pushed forward at an executive level. And you notice, John, before those things get pushed forward at an executive level, somehow those cases almost never seem to win in court. They never seem to win in court and, uh, before President Obama passes them uh, or pushes them forward or before a, you know, the state of California pushes them forward. All, you know, up till that point, no one thought that transgender service members had a constitutional right to serve in the military. No, at least not in the broader legal establishment. You might be able to find a judge on a panel, but not a, you know, an overwhelming vote. Same thing here. You would probably not be able to find people saying, oh, well, it is unconstitutional to uh, to say that uh, you're, you're going to have a um, uh, you're going to have a mandate that all insurance plans in the state of California cover abortion. You know, not having abortion coverage is unconstitutional. But now, once those things go into effect, then when conservatives, when pro-lifers try to say, actually, no, and we're going to enact either a legislative uh, ruling or we're going to do an executive action, it seems like over and over, the groups that are thwarting this return to pro-life principles, which people actually vote for, over and over, it seems to be the judiciary. Right. Yeah. And, And this is, as we were talking about in the last segment, the reason why we have medical coverage of abortion in California is literally because of the California Supreme Court. The California Supreme Court refused to give allow our legislature to remove abortion coverage from medical. They absolutely refused to allow it because they had some sense because they have this this conflation of access to a right with the right itself. So Basically, their argument was if you deny women who are covered by Medi-Cal access to abortion, you have denied them their alleged constitutional right to abortion. So it's it's really this incredible thing. Like the, the legislature is able to go one way if they wanted, but they can't go back the other way. Once you extend a right to someone, it's allegedly this – once you extend access to a right to someone, it's allegedly a violation of that right – to retract access, even though the government didn't have to extend that access in the first place. So, yeah, judges are really important. I mean, that's kind of obvious. But the California Supreme Court has been at the root of a lot of really bad problems in this state. Um, it can The U.S. Supreme Court is at the root of most of the really bad problems in our country. Yeah. So, I mean— Obviously, if you listen to the show, you don't need to be in, informed that the Supreme Court's really important. But the Supreme Court is really, really important. Judges are really, really important. Voting for either the governor or the president on account of the fact that the governor slash president appoints judges is really, really important. So, And, 
with with that, I, I think, John, it's just a good reminder for us that um, in California, I think how part of the question becomes, how do you push back against stuff like this? When you see uh, the overwhelming efforts of Planned Parenthood and other groups and, and the supposed, you know, the largest insurer in the state, that they are now actually doing the bidding of Planned Parenthood and saying, oh, come on, you know, what's the big deal? You know, it's going to be such an administrative headache to comply with the law, you know, can't we just, can't we just say, ah, forget about it. This is something where I, I do think that, um, this is, it, it's hard on the one hand because you, you don't have a lot of, um, either legal recourse or a lot of legislative recourse in the state of California. But this is one thing why, for example, my wife and I, we've been looking at, um, healthcare sharing plans for the last year. We have not been on a traditional insurance plan. We've been on a healthcare sharing plan. Um, but it's also something that's frustrating that I don't think we could only look at that as a solution because John, I know you have been on a, one of those plans in the past. And I, I think we can agree mm-hmm. that while they are very well intentioned, um, it's, it's a better thing for a single guy who's 20 years old than it is for, um, a woman who may be having a child or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, they're difficult. <clears throat> they're, basically these are plans where, uh, it's a cutout from Obamacare, it's not really insurance. Basically, it's a system, a community sort of cost savings plan, usually a nonprofit entity, where individuals pay for healthcare services directly with cash and then get reimbursed for it. The reimbursements will not cover regular preventative care like checkups, things like that, but it will reimburse for, you know, things like pregnancy costs and, you know, delivery and things like that. So it's, Really, in a, in a lot of ways, it's a smart system, but because these entities usually are pretty small and don't have very uh, don't don't have staffs that are really on the button all the time, it takes yes. a little longer to get reimbursed than you'd like. So they're they're kind of difficult systems to work with. Um, not that I'm a huge libertarian or anything, but I I heard a little snippet of a talk by Milton Friedman talking about insurance, how basically. The culture of our country's healthcare, with having these insurance companies, it basically introduces all of these big inefficiencies into the way we handle health insurance. And the fact that insurance plans have to cover all kinds of basic care and all kinds of, um, you know, regular checkups and things like that really inflates the costs of healthcare in a in a way that's makes the whole thing a lot less affordable for everybody. And I wonder if. If insurance companies didn't have enormous lobbying power, I, I wish there were a way we could have a more sensible healthcare system in this country. 100% agree. And I, it, that's a longer, bigger question, and perhaps for next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. In the meantime, go to our website, californiafamily.org. We'll be back soon on another episode of Life, Family, Liberty. <laughs>